Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Good day, everyone. This is Tony Moskal with your high school sports podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, Los Angeles' number one sports podcast network. The only place with a show for everyone. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? Hey, the NBA playoffs are in full swing. The NHL playoffs are in full swing. What are you betting on? Where are you putting your money to try and make a few extra dollars? Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. So head to the website, betonline.ag, or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your sports book experts. Cast is somebody who has been around the game of lacrosse for his whole life. Played at the University of Maryland, was the 2017 captain, three-year starter. Played professionally in the National Lacrosse League and the Major League Lacrosse. Three-sport guy in high school, ran track, played lacrosse, played football, was all-district in lacrosse, played in the Virginia-Maryland All-Star Game, was a team MVP, first-team all-district in football, as well as leading his team to a 12-1 record in a district championship, was on the 4 by 400 relay team that won a state title, won an individual title in the 55-meter high hurdles. I don't know what more you could have done athletically, Jimmy Burrell, but that is that is unbelievable. What a fantastic athletic resume. Thank you. I, I, I love sports. You know, I, I, grew up, uh, I grew up playing anything and everything, and um, I was fortunate to have uh, – my, my dad gave me a great foundation uh, coaching me up until middle school in, uh, in both soccer and basketball. So that kind of laid the foundation for me, but just uh, love competing. And, and I do have to thank you. The, the day we came out and did the, your game against Palos Verdes, you loaned me a pullover because I was too stupid to realize it was going to get cold at night and I was freezing. So, so thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime. So why Maryland? Why not? You know, you look at that the Baltimore area. You've got Hopkins, which is close. You've got Virginia, which is close. Why did you choose the Terps? Uh, well, I actually had a, a pretty interesting path to get to Maryland. Um, so I, I was such a late recruit in the lacrosse world. Um, you know, I again, I, I loved football. Being being and growing up from Northern Virginia, football kind of reigned supreme there. Um, you know, it's, it's the biggest and the best division six, triple a, you know, we were getting seven to 10,000 fans to our Friday night game. So, um, that's, that's kind of, that was kind of my, my first love and something I thought I was going to be able to play in, in college and kind of pursue. Um, so, you know, I, I gotten, I think, I think my only real division one offer was one double a, and that was, that was to Georgetown. Cause, uh, fortunately I was a little, a bit on the smarter side in terms of those test scores. Uh, but, but, you know, I, lacrosse was just still this awesome new thing, especially in the Northern Virginia area where, where we're still kind of like outside of Woodson and Robinson and uh, Langley. It was kind of like, Hey, you know, this is what the football guys are going to do in the off season in the spring, you know, so we don't, you know, instead of going and throwing shot put and stuff like that. Right. So <laughs> it was one of those, uh, it was one of those sports that like, I just kind of, I just kind of fell in love with. So I, I, I always laugh. I was on um, the JV team of about a 65, 70-man roster um, on our JV team that was coached by our, by our uh, D-backs coach um, football. So, you know, we, we, would literally, we would literally do like 
bull in a ring uh, <laughs> drills, like like in lacrosse, which is hysterical. It's like calling out two guys, throwing a ball in the middle, and everyone's just circling, just guys going in, just absolutely crushing each other. It's hysterical. <laughs> um, Can't do that now. <laughs> oh no, game's completely changed. But um, yeah, it was, it was pretty funny. I I, um, I got in one game when my when my midi line got up. Um, you know, again, I was a, a six line midi on JV, and I scored a goal. Um, I got, I, I don't even remember it cause I was so tiny back then my sophomore year got in again, scored another goal. And I think I started or was on second line the rest of the year on JV and I was absolutely hooked. So could not take the stick out of my hand. Um, you know, by, by the time I got senior, I got to, you know, senior year, I, I had a, I had a pretty good season, but I was still kind of pursuing the football route. Um, and then I, I had two of my very close friends, dads were colonels in the air force. Um, and they had sent some of my, my, my track clippings to the football and the cross coach at Air Force. Um, and, you know, we, we were fortunate to get covered pretty, pretty uh, significantly by the Washington Post. So they were sending those clippings over to um, – list, list me dating myself. Shit, sending, sending clippings, not highlight film over to – Yeah, right. <laughs> to coaches, right. Um, but, but literally I, I had just decided that I was going to go to Virginia Tech and walk on for football. And a week later, I got an offer from the Air Force football coach and lacrosse coach to go to Air Force prep school for a year. They, they pay you almost a grand a month to, to go to school. You have to go through basic training and all that other good stuff, which is quite the experience uh, in itself. Um, and then they have a uh, what I would consider a JUCO football team that goes and plays the other JUCOs that feed into Oklahoma, Texas, Kansas State, you know, Colorado, uh, Colorado State, all, all those, right? Wyoming. So I got to play. I got to play college football for a year, which was which was awesome. The prep school didn't have have a lacrosse team back then. Um, so I'll, I'll never forget. At the, it was like our last game of the uh, of the of the prep school, um, and I and I tackled this guy. I tackled this guy. You know, run toward the sideline. I had two linemen fall on the back of my leg. And, uh, you know, my foot was kind of sitting here, oh. <laughs> just absolutely crunched it, you know. And, you know, luckily, no, 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 bro- I actually might have been better for if I had broken bones rather than like ligament damage. But, um, you know, I was kind of, I was in a boot for a few months and just kind of realizing, like, mind you, I'd, I had beefed up to play corner and punt returner for, for Air Force prep. And by me beefing up, I meant getting to like 188 pounds. <laughs> and as, you know, as, as we know, the difference uh, between the lineman size and high school and football is a pretty significant jump. You know, you get almost everybody's close to that 300 pound range. So, you know, I kind of I kind of did that long look in the mirror and be like, hey, you know, maybe maybe I got a future in lacrosse. You know, I, I, I see there aren't, aren't that many big guys and I'm not get, certainly getting any bigger. So I played I actually uh, played a year at uh, Air Force at, you know, played midi, played O midi, D midi. I faced off. Um, and then, and then after that year, it was one of those things where it's like, you know, I, I wasn't, I think I had like a 2.3 GPA. Uh, I was, I was struggling with the, uh, the military concept of it. You know, I had some, had some anger issues, had gotten some demerits and, you know, I kind of had a, a long talk with, uh, my coach about, Hey, maybe this is not for me and it's not going to work out. Um, you know, my Air Force coach was named, uh, Fred AC, an absolute legend. Um, uh, that guy's just great. Long Island guy. He was, you know, he's another father figure for me. And, you know, he, he had some great lines. You know, he used to be like, when I get in trouble, he'd be like, you know what, Jimmy, you're like whale shit right now. You're the lowest of the low. There's only up from here, you know. <laughs> and that was, that, was kind of his, that was kind of his tough love, which like, 
you know, I, I just absolutely love that guy. Um, and, you know, I, I, after talking to me, he goes, you know, you know, Jimmy, you worked your ass off for me. Where do you want to go to school? Where do you want to transfer? Um, and, at, you know, at this point, I wanted to go back closer to home, closer to the Northern Virginia area. So uh, he reached out to uh, Tony Seaman, who's at Towson, Dave Cottle at Maryland, um, and then um, at uh, uh, Petromala at Hopkins, where I got a little – little bit of love from out of high school and then uh, Starja down at UVA. So uh, I, I got a scholarship offer for Towson and Maryland and a walk-on offer at, at UVA. Um, and, you know, after visiting the schools, I obviously love Towson coming from Air Force. You know, the uh, there's there's a lot more females at Towson than there were at uh, <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, as a, as a, uh, 20, 21 year old, uh, transfer, like, Oh, this looks great. Um, but you know, obviously the, the academics at Maryland were, were uh, a little bit better there at, than at Towson. I, I love the coaches. I like their culture. And I thought, you know, that, that would ultimately be a, a great fit for me. So, um, that's, that's kind of how I got to Maryland. It was certainly a roundabout way, but I, I'm so fortunate that, you know, Dave Cottle gave me an opportunity to, to play there without ever seeing me play. And just, you know, it's, it just kind of tells you the, how much the relationship factor uh, works in the lacrosse world, you know, just taking, taking his uh, buddy's name for it that he coached with, you know, in, in the team USA days back in the eighties, you know, they, they take this Jimmy kid. He's fast. He'll work hard for you. So. <laughs> and, and, and now look at you, Terps are in the final four again, huh? It's perennial final four guys. I love it. Yeah. I, I'm fortunate to have a good, good relationship with uh, coach Tillman there now, who's just an, outstanding guy and outstanding leader there and he's just done he's just done an absolute outstanding job with with the turf program so we're, we're we're proud to have him as as the head how difficult of a transition was it for you as a player to go from one level to the next um it, it's it's extremely tough so you know going from going from high school to uh to air force was was certainly a big jump um you know fortunately i had that prep school year to play football and obviously the strength conditioning program that goes into that really prepared me physically um for the jump you know the the stick skill wise is something that i always had to work at uh, it didn't it didn't come easy i had to spend multiple multiple hours either with one of the coaches shooting or just wall ball by myself um and, you know i i had i really had to question because you know going from a mid to lower D1, um, you know, when I was at Air Force, we only won three games that year, and they were, they all happened to be eight to six, which is pretty funny. Uh, <laughs> but, but you know, it, we weren't, you know, Air Force is a lot better now, but I, I would say we were, you know, in that in that lower third tier of, of Division One when I was there. And then going to Maryland where, you know, you're a top five team every year, I was like, you know, I wonder I wonder if I can, I, I can make it here. Um, so, you know, when, when I transferred in, I actually wasn't eligible to play that first year. So I was – I was Mr. Scout team, um, just getting hammered by God. That that year, I was I was you know, uh, redshirting pretty much. I had to go against Lee Zink, who is a national player of the year. Uh, Chris Basavia, who is a first team All American. Um, Gavin Webb. Uh, I mean, gosh, you, you name it. We had we had three All Americans on the team at that time, and I was. You know, I had to be the uh, the other the other team's best player, the scout team every day, and I just got the crap beat out of me by those guys every single day. But um, you know, I also got was was fortunate to meet Paul Gillette, who was a uh, All American for Maryland as well. You know, specialized D midi, but was just 
awesome, awesome guy who would stay after practice and work with me and, and kind of took me under his wing, which, you know, obviously I'll always be uh, grateful for. And how much did that help you being the scout team guy going up against these guys that were all Americans and all everything uh, improve you, help you get better as a player? Yeah, that was, I mean, that was the difference. You know, when I, when I transferred in like that, that next level of lacrosse, I was, I was certainly not ready for. Um, physically, I think I was, but, but lacrosse IQ, stick skill, I, I wasn't there yet. And going against those guys every single day definitely pushed me to get better. Um, they were, you know, again, just, just learn, just learn. It was, it was literally a year of learning the hard way because, <laughs> you know, it was, there was, there was no uh, watching film for me as a, as a starter or a backup and learning the other team. It was, Jimmy, you're going to do this and this. And then, you know, Lee Zinks, Lee Zinks kind of play defense on you. Chris Pasavia is going to slide and beat the crap out of you and double team. You, <laughs> you got to go here or here. So, you know, every, everything I had to learn, uh, learn the hard way, but it was, you know, it, it was ultimately the reason why, I was able to, to have success when, when I was able to play the, the next year. So, um, yeah, I was very, very fortunate to have that year and fortunate for, uh, you know, my, my coaches to believe in me to be, to, you know, to be the other team's best, you know, best player for, you know, on, on scout team every week, you know, and I, I kind of relished in that role and I, and I accepted the challenge and, you know, there's, there certainly wasn't any, any love outside of anyone from my teammates. Cause you know, I, I had to wear a polo on game days, but you know, they, they knew the work I was putting in uh, behind the scenes, which which been a lot to me. And then the ultimate compliment, you get named team captain in 2007. How, how did that, I you know it's a dumb question. How does it make you feel? Cause it makes you feel great. But when you look back at all the hard work and everything you put in, there had to be a feeling of, wow, satisfaction. And I worked my butt off and this is the reward at the end of it. Yeah, I mean that's that's kind of the it's it's not something um, you know it's not something you 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 necessarily work work for at least I, you know I didn't work for it. I just I worked I worked my butt off just to to be the best teammate I could be and that was that was my goal for day one uh, I'm just gonna go out there and try and outwork everybody else on the field help my teammates out as much as possible and do whatever the team needs um, you know look looking back that you know looking back. 15, you know, 15, 20 years ago, um, you know, starting this and just, you know, just, it's, it's nice going back now and, uh, and realizing that, oh man, that, that, that was the right thing to do. You know, it's, you know, your, your teammates saying that about you, that man, you were such a great teammate. Like that's, that's, that stuff still feels good. And, you know, I guess, I guess with, with hard work and depending on what position you play, you know, accolades come and go, but it's, it's those relationships that stick and stay. And, um, just being named captain by your peers and uh, your coaches is, is is kind of a sign of like the respect you've earned from them. So uh, I think that that meant more to me than than the title itself. You get drafted, and I'm sure you were on the you know same team. Now you're on a team with guys you may have played against or had rivalries with over the years. How were those first few practices where you're looking across at a guy from? from Hopkins and you say, you know what, we beat the crap out of each other and we hated each other and we yelled at each other, but now we're teammates. How does that work at the professional level? Is there joking that goes on? Oh yeah. I mean, there is, there's definitely some, some jostling back and forth, uh, especially the Maryland Hopkins rivalry. Um, you know, you, you really go from like hating these guys, uh, you know, especially, especially in my case, you know, some of these, some of the Baltimore guys, you know, and the MIAA and some of the Long Island guys, like they played high school ball together. Um, there wasn't really that sense of 
camaraderie for me. So like I, I kind of took it personally where I, I hated everybody on every single <laughs> ACC team. And then you get, and you get in the pros and like, guess who's on your team? Like all those ACC guys. Right. So, um, it was, it was definitely, there's definitely like a little bit of animosity. Um, but I, you know, I think at the professional level, um, you know, especially for like the LA Riptide, they did a great job in training camp where we all got together, meet each other. And, you know, like, for instance, I, I meet I meet and hit it off with uh, with Brett Hughes uh, right away, an All American from from UVA, and like you know he, he ends up becoming one of my best friends. So uh, you know it's, it's just one of those it's one of those things where like you, you get over it pretty quick. It's 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 similar it's similar to like the high school beef that you leave behind once you get to college. You know it's the same thing going to the pros, um, and then you know going in, indoor indoor was a completely different different story, right? Because you know, it's, it's mostly Canadians. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm driving up with, with Sean Nadlin, who's the, uh, the Towson coach now to, uh, to wings games and camps and, you know, and, and in camp, I, I have the, the backup goalie as, uh, as my roommate and, you know, we're doing three days, three days for the NLL. And, uh, and literally like he would, he would, he would be like, Hey, uh, Hey, you know, back, back then, you know, I'm, I wasn't really sure what a roadie was, but, uh, you know, back then I'm driving around and, uh, the boy's like, Abe, Abe Barelli, you, you want a couple roadies in between? I'm like, uh, what's a roadie? He goes, you know, you know, beer, beer for the road. I'm like, buddy, I got, I got to run up and down the floor. You just sit between the pipes and soak shut up. This, this guy, this guy would take down four to six beers like between practices. I was like, what a psycho. But this is this is my intro to Canadians playing lacrosse. Uh, you know, still be able to go out there and 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 do do things with their stick that I could never dream of. So. Uh, it was it was pretty fun. I I, I loved uh, I loved being able to travel for the NLL and the cities we got to to visit and the guys we got to play with and meet. It was it was so much fun. Uh, you know, it's it was it was kind of a, a different piece. We had we had we certainly had some big fans, uh, some big uh, I should say some big games with uh, packed stadiums. You know, and, and field. Um, you know, especially at Maryland, especially in the Final Four. But man, going you know going into the uh, it was the Wachovia Center at at. Um, and Philly with like 16,000 fans, like where the Flyers play, which is wild. And then going to the Pepsi center in Denver with 18,000 fans. Like it was, it's just nuts. It was, it's such a cool thing. And they're so much closer and enclosed. So 16,000 yelling it is like a hundred thousand yelling in an outdoor arena. Yeah. It's, it's pretty wild. It's pretty wild. How did, to, go ahead. Sorry. How did playing multiple sports help you? Um, I, I, that was, that was the difference maker for me. Uh, I think I was able to pick up lacrosse so quickly because I grew up playing soccer. I grew up playing basketball. Um, you know, once, once my mother let me, I was allowed to play football in middle school. Uh, I'll, I'll never forget having to wear like three pairs of sweatpants and, and sneak like two and a half pound weights in my pocket. So I would make, I would make, you know, the 88 pound cutoff for the 110 pound weights. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it definitely prepares you. Like I, I look, I look like my, my transition to lacrosse was so easy. Cause I was like, Oh, this is, this is basketball. You know, this is soccer. This is football. Like, you know, you, you're already kind of prepared. So, um, you know, it's the, this, the stick skills thing was certainly something different. I, I feel like hockey guys do a good job of transitioning stick skill wise over to lacrosse, um, just with the hand-eye coordination, having a stick in their hand. So that was always something that, that I struggled with and always had to consistently work on was, was playing wall ball and working on my stick skills. Cause that, that never came easy for me. And what, and what brought you to LA? Was it when you, when you were playing for the riptide, did you play for them and then stay here? 
No, uh, pretty much. So when I got when I got drafted by the Riptide, I was kind of between um, going down and, and trying to take a assistant coaching job um, with uh, Coach Jeff Shirk and my teammate uh, Chris Fife's, who's now the head up at Vermont, um, and just you know trying to do a volunteer assistant or something like that down at VMI when they were both there. So I was kind of between that and getting my foot in the door to, to coach college lacrosse or move out to L.A. and figure it out. Um, and, you know, for, for whatever reason, the VMI thing didn't work out. And, um, you know, I, I'll never forget, I, everyone was like, oh, those are both good opportunities. And, you know, you know if you stick around uh, the, the Maryland area, you know, there's going to be some college jobs that you can get your foot in the door. Because um, I, I had coached at, at McDonough with um, Andy Hillgartner and uh, Booker Corrigan. Uh, my first year out of college, which was which was awesome. You know, it was me, Jesse Schwartzman, and, and Danny Callagher. Uh, just had an absolute blast. Just you know, three three guys who were just new in the pro leagues and getting to, getting to coach with those guys at the, at the MIA level. So, um, but yeah, I just decided to say I think I had about five hundred bucks to my name. <laughs> you know, I was such a stubborn, just such a stubborn guy. So like, you know, I'm I'm ready. I got my grandpa's got my grandpa's Volkswagen Golf hatchback. Right, I got that all packed up. <laughs> To the brim, I got 500 bucks to my name, and I think I'm going to. And, and this is when that, you know, 2000 what was that 2008 or 2009 when the um, that big gas price. I, I mean, it was it was kind of how it is now. Like gas prices were high fours, low fives, um, and for some reason, you know, my my dumb ass thought I could uh, get out there with 500 bucks, right? You know, including staying at friends' house and hotels and food. And uh, I'll never, you know, my dad was just like, you know. Very calm, very calm, because you know, I obviously seeing how stubborn I was. He was just like, you know, just just take this credit card when you need it. Once you get out there, mail it back to me, or you know, rip it up, whatever. Uh, and I was like, I, I won't need it. I won't need it. And of course, you know, I me, me unbeknownst to me, I'm like, oh, you know, you might you might need money for a deposit for you know, uh, uh, renting, you know, uh, rent, you know, signing a lease and stuff like that. And you know, I'm just like, I'm just, no, I don't, I don't need that. You know, so <laughs> so I I literally. I drove out. I drove out. Went to my buddy's wedding in Atlanta, and then just took the southern route. stopped um, stopped at families in Memphis. Uh, stopped at my old Air Force friends uh, who were stationed in Enid, Oklahoma. Uh, drove through the Panhandle. stopped in uh, stopped in Phoenix, Arizona. Watched the NBA Finals. Uh, went up. Drove up to the, the Grand Canyon. Just just hung out for a couple hours. Let my feet dangle in the canyon. Soaked it up, and then um, drove right out to San Diego. <laughs> And and you had like nine dollars left because you spent it all on gas and food. I was I was like I was like oh man I I better dress this weekend for for you know the riptide because if you didn't if you didn't dress um, or if you weren't on you know if you weren't on the roster then you didn't get your you know six hundred dollar check or whatever it was so I'm just like oh god I better I better dress. <laughs> tell, tell the last guy that dresses go hey I'll give you three hundred of my six hundred if I could dress right. Yeah seriously oh man but. Uh, yeah, it was, it was pretty cool. I, I'm just, I'm so glad, so glad I, I just kind of did it. It's, you know, it's, it's something I always try and, uh, teach, teach our guys and stress to our kids just to, you know, get out of your comfort zone. Uh, you know, all, all the kids, when they're deciding on college, I'm like, go, go try the Midwest, go try Texas, go try Florida, go, go back East to school. You can always, you can always come back to, to California, but get out of your comfort zone. And that's, I think that's a great thing to teach kids is, Hey, get out, go do something a little bit different. And a little bit different for you was now coaching in Southern California. 
where lacrosse really wasn't as huge as it is now, what were your first impressions about the level of lacrosse here? And what did you think you needed to do to improve it wherever you were? Um, well, there was a, there was a couple of things I did. Um, you know, I, I think, I think the first thing was I, I was kind of excited because even though it was about 10 year 10 years removed, it really reminded me of where Northern Virginia lacrosse was at, you know, when I was coming up and going through high school, you know, in the, in the late nineties, um, you know, I, I felt like LA lacrosse was kind of right in that spot where if we could get more athletes and more football kids involved earlier, then they could become great lacrosse players. Um, you know, I'll, I'll never forget, uh, I'll never forget going to practice a couple times. Um, and, and hearing some of these kids excuses, I think that, I think when I first got out there, you still had a lot of those uh, stoner stoner type kids who were you know, running running rampant around around the lacrosse field, right? You know, I, I remember uh, a kid which a kid showed up, and uh, I was like, I was like, you know, why are you late? And he was like, oh, coach, I was in uh, I was in my glass blowing club. I was like, what? And then you know, I had a kid not show up one day, and I was like, I was like, where were you yesterday? And he was like. Oh, coach, the waves were so good, I couldn't make it. You know, so <laughs> just that was you know coming from coming from Maryland and and you know Coach Cotto and Coach uh, Dave Salkowski, I was like, this is this is who are these guys? Uh, so you know, I I was I was fortunate enough uh, to to coach with Lane Jaffe at the uh, at, at PV for for two years before he took off and I took over the program. Um, and at, at that point, I'd really gone and had some meetings with a lot of the youth football coaches in the area, you know, given some free clinics and uh, they were kind of all in. So we kind of started with that group in fourth, fifth and sixth grade that, you know, I was fortunate enough to coach, um, you know, almost, almost to their graduation. So it just, it, it was pretty wild just to see it grow. I mean, you know, you talk about guys like guys like John Fox. I remember going down and, and playing guys like John, uh, coach Fox and uh, coach Glenn miles, who was at St. Margaret's forever. And, um, you know, my, my GM at, uh, at the LA Riptide, GW Mix, coaches at Corona Del Mar. And, you know, as just like every other young cocky coach, you know, you're, you know, you're, you're high off of your uh, lacrosse career. You're playing professionally. You know, when you went to a big school with outstanding coaches, you're able to kind of, you know, learn what, what coaching techniques and styles uh, that you like that fit your personality and, and work for you from, you know, the, the guys you had and the guys I was around. And then I go down South and get my butt absolutely kicked by, by those guys. Um, and that, and as, you know, as just as a competitor, that definitely like lit a fire under my ass. I like, I need, I need to get way better at this coaching thing. Um, you know, I, I always, I always felt like, uh, I was, I was a kinese major at, at Maryland and, you know, I, I got my, uh, certification in strength and conditioning um, immediately after school. So I, am very familiar with how the body works and how to teach mechanics, um, and all that good stuff. So it was kind of like that, that wake up call, that spark for me that, all right, I need to get to work, breaking down form, uh, learn, teaching these kids, like how to get a hard shot, how to play defense, you know, how to be physical, how to check, um, as fish as efficiently as possible. And, you know, you know, knowing, you know, you know me. I was like, you know, and I need to do this now because we're going to beat these guys next year and moving forward. So <laughs> that was that was my my uh, big motivating factor, um, you know, coming into the coaching world. 
It's worked out for you. Now, we talked a little bit about, you know, kids being recruited. I tell people uh, that I think a lot of the West Coast kids moving to the East and the exposure of kids and the popularity of it was when Bill Tierney left Princeton and came out to Denver. And now it kind of opened up this whole other area of the United States to this game because he wasn't going to recruit a lot of kids from back east. So he kind of had to come, you know, to the to the western areas to find kids. And now we're seeing the results of that where, where all these kids, it's it's a national sport now. Yeah, it's it's awesome. I mean, I, I had a feeling I had a feeling that lacrosse and just the Southern California lifestyle were gonna mesh. And it certainly has. Um, you know, I, I always I always say LA has a chip on their shoulder because we were kind of the last city or area to get you know big time lacrosse where you know all, all the pro guys early like uh you know casey powell and um and scott hoxted and those guys moved out and they were san diego first and san francisco first um you know you had john fox and glenn miles building up orange county and la was kind of the last to get it um so i i think bill tyranny moving moving west um and then you know my former teammate matt brown who's there who's their associate head coach um i mean they just had an absolute monopoly on the West coast. Cause they'd come all, they would come recruit these guys. And I remember, you know, there's just the, the outstanding attackmen that, that foothill kept, you know, pumping out that were going and almost playing immediately at Denver. Um, and then winning that national championship in, in 2015, unfortunately again, against my Terps uh, was, uh, was, you know, was huge for the sport. Um, and then, you know, you're seeing, you're seeing Utah become a division one sport now. And, and those guys kind of trying to, you know, strike, strike into the, the Southern California market. You know, there's just there's, our ability to play year round, um, you know, with the weather, uh, you know, be able to train consistently. The uh, just the sheer number of athletes we have in Southern California, I think trumps anywhere else in the United States, maybe outside of, you know, Southern Florida or, or areas of Florida or, or you know, uh, Texas. Um, so it's, just getting those kids into lacrosse, um, you know, which isn't the easiest thing nowadays with, with guys specializing so early. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm fortunate to be at, at a high school with uh, an outstanding football coach who, who gets in and loves multi-sport athletes just like myself. So, um, And I think, and I've said this for a long time, and, and you, you alluded to it earlier, that how many other sports are related to lacrosse? Soccer? basketball, football, and for young kids, when they see lacrosse for the first time and they say, wait a minute, what is that? I get to get a stick, put on all this gear, and I get to run around and I get to hit people? I Sign me up. Yeah, it's it's such a it's such an easy sell. Um, I always, I always laugh, laugh at the startup cost, right? Because uh, my dad, my dad said the same thing. I'll, I'll never forget, like going to the store. He's like, "You better not quit this," because you know, it's like you're, you're you're looking at a couple hundred dollar price tag just walking out with helmet, gloves, you know, stick and pads and all that good stuff. Um, but yeah, it's it's God. I I don't see a ton of kids quit after they after they started. Um, it's just it's just so fun. It's so fast. It's it's the right amount of physical, um, just the speed. There's 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 really a spot for everybody. Um, you know, it, it's like in, in what other sport can you have uh, a five foot four guy who runs, you know, who might be might be 200 pounds and runs a six second 40 yard dash on the same field as a guy who's six, six, you know, 205 absolute freak athlete. And then, you know, a guy, 
a guy who's lightning quick and, you know, runs a four, three, like uh, there's not, a, there's not a ton of other sports like that, you know, and it, it all has to do with the great equalizer. Like how good are your hands? How, how good yeah. are your sticks? So it's, uh, it's pretty, it, it's pretty, it's been pretty cool to, to just see everything and, and, and the development uh, around LA area, especially. You, you were at PV for a while. You became the head coach. You want to put your stamp on a program like every head coach wants to do. What were the things you needed to do to keep that program as successful as it was? Um, well, it, it was tough. I think, um, you know, any, anytime you're at a public school, it's, it's not necessarily the easiest thing. Like we, we always uh, hung our hats on that, you know, we're, we're a public school playing a private school sport. Um, and you know, the fact that you're going to lose kids in your district to private schools hurts. Um, you know, I felt like we had to get athletes into this, into the sport early in middle school or grade school, um, you know, and, and really help develop their stick skills. So by the time they got to high school, they were ready to play. Um, and, and you know, that's, that's, that's running a youth league that's doing, um, beginner clinics that's you know just continuing to spread the sport up in pv which is which is what we did for for many many years um so it certainly it certainly wasn't easy and and depth depth was was always an issue right um especially especially since uh and you know we had years in pv where man such there were there were some really talented classes for example that that 2015 class was was outstanding um and half the kids ended up going to Peninsula, which is which is wild. And and you look back, and you're like, man, if that if that 2015 and 2016 group like all went to all went to PV or all went to, to Penn, man, that would have been that would have been unreal. <laughs> so, yeah, um, it's you know it was, it was more it was more since you know you you're not pulling kids in from different areas. It's more about developing the kids you had, which is something I really really enjoyed doing. Just getting. Uh, the most out of those guys and, you know, helping them to kind of achieve or get close to their full potential. And I think that's a lot of it. And, and we had this conversation is, and I ran into that issue up here in the Santa Clarita Valley is that a lot of these guys, because they coached Pop Warner football and you won your so-called Super Bowl at nine years old, now you think you can coach lacrosse and, and you're teaching these kids everything but how to play the game the right way. But but you won that Super Bowl with nine-year-old kids. Congratulations <laughs> there, Vince Lombardi. <laughs> yeah, and it, it puts down to just the fundamentals of the game and knowing how to teach it. It's not an easy game to teach somebody how to throw and catch with a lacrosse stick. Yeah, exactly. I think that's that's what we really, really pushed and, and taught to uh, our, our youth and middle school kids. Um, it was it was funny. Like I I literally remember not even incorporating a structured offense or you know anything crazy on defense because if you can't pass and catch at a high level, then nothing else matters. Um, so you know the, I got I have kids in eighth grade where. They were they were outstanding and you know you know like like we said not not that it matters but they're doing great in their rec leagues and doing great in these club tournaments and probably don't need don't know any other uh, offense than the old two three one motion just because we spent all of our time working on stick skills uh, because again our our goal was not to focus on a seventh or eighth grade championship our goal was to prepare them as best as humanly possible for high school lacrosse and hopefully beyond. 
And you were very successful at PV, nine league championships, seven in a row, three as three U.S. lacrosse southern section titles. You leave, you come to Loyola. What brought you to Loyola after all of that success at PV? Because Loyola's been a top program in the southern section for a lot of years as well. Yeah, I, I think um, at, at that point in my, my coaching career, I was, I was certainly getting uh, frustrated with the school um, and just some of the limitations that, that come with uh, coaching at a public school, um, not necessarily getting the support um, that, that we really wanted. Uh, we, I mean, let's don't, don't, don't get me wrong. Like my wife is from PV. Uh, I have so many great relationships with those PV families and their players. Like I absolutely love that area. And if it wasn't for those, those, those parents, those players, those families, like we would not have had the success that, that we had for, you know, those, those nine or 10 years. Um, but you know, as, as, as someone who continually wants to grow and get better, I, I felt like I kind of hit my ceiling there and was looking for a, kind of a, a new home, a new place to challenge me. I think, I think what I loved about Loyola, just doing, doing my research and, and seeing their, their core values and, and their mission. I was like, Oh my goodness, this is what I'm all about. Like what a, what an awesome fit. Um, and, you know, I kind of had to get over the, Hey, this is going to be a, you know, 40 minute plus commute to work every day. You got to really, really love what you're doing. Um, and, you know, after uh, meeting with Chris O'Donnell, the athletic director and uh, the principal, Frank Koskowski, man, I just, I was just like, this is, this is a great fit for me. This is a school where I feel like we can build into a national powerhouse. Um, and, and what I think the best part of it was the kids are going to be getting the same message across the board. They're going to be getting the same message from me. They're going to be getting the same message from their teachers. They're going to be getting the same message from their parents, uh, which was unfortunately, I thought it was kind of an uphill battle at, at PV where, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm preaching hard work and, and being a great teammate and, and doing, doing great things, not only on the field, but in your community and in your classroom. And that, that wasn't necessarily always, always echoed, um, you know, at, at my, at my previous school, but. Um, you know, being a and yeah, being in a private school, you know, you've got, and, and I'm an old Crespi guy, we had our Christian service, we had to do 40 hours of community service. And for once in my life, it wasn't court ordered. But you had to go out and you got to do something, you got to help with, you know, youth programs, whether it was a track program or a football program, or we refereed the CYA flag football, you know, tournament that our football coaches had. And, and it was that that core value that everybody's on the same page. And, and Loyola, they've been doing it for, man, about 80 years. And, and it, you know, credit to the school and, and the Crespies and the St. John Bosco's and St. Francis's of the world. It's, it, it's that common theme. Yeah, that was, that was something that, that was a big draw for me as well. Um, you know, I, I was fortunate to go down to uh, Nicaragua a few times with, uh, you know, again, my good friend Brett Hughes uh, through Lacrosse Nations and, and kind of give back in that sense and see what that, that was all about. And, and, and I, think, I think what was always so cool about, about what they do is it wasn't just, you know, a, bu- a bunch of gringos going there, showing up for one day and, you know, maybe building a house or, or bringing food. It was, it was more empowering, you know, the, the local community and, and teaching, partnering with a local school, teaching, um, you know, guys in their community to actually run the program when they're not there and, and making it sustainable. And I was, I was just 
that kind of opened my eyes to um, the, the service aspect. And then obviously getting to Loyola, I was I was very involved with the senior service project, which is the entire month of, of January, pretty much, uh, where they're going out to local food banks, shelters, schools, uh, you name it. And that was that was just really eye opening. I kind of got to see uh, a different side of Los Angeles that I'm used to and, and get the you know, serve as well and be a part of that was, was pretty special and something that I love about Loyola. And how much does it change the kids where they've gone out, they've done this and in Loyola, it's, you know, it's an, you've got some affluent kids there, but then again, you've got some kids on the lower end of the socioeconomic spectrum, but how did it help those affluent kids when they see, wow, I need to be a little bit more thankful for the things that I have because there are a lot of people out there that have nothing. Yeah. Yeah. You nailed it. Um, it's, it's really, it's really a sense of humility and being thankful for what you have and then realizing if, if you do have a little bit more than somebody else being able to help and give back, um, it is that sense of community. And I think that's, that's the same thing I experienced in my, my first trip to Nicaragua. Right. So we're going down in these, going down to these trash dump communities and, and literally people are living in, uh, you know, shacks, no roof, just, just those, the, you know, it's, pretty much metal dividers and you've never seen kids, you've never seen uh, kids so happy in your entire life. Um, you know, it kind of put things in perspective, like the material things in this world just, just really aren't, aren't worth it. Um, and that, you know, this kid who has absolutely nothing are just so happy playing soccer and climbing all over you. <laughs> so I, I think, I think it's, you know, the same thing these guys get to experience. Um, and, and, you know, just, just seeing more importantly, like I think having, having that, base of uh, you know the crazy amount of service hours it's I think it's like 200 hours for these, that these seniors have to do it gradually goes up as you go through Loyola um, just getting their ba- this base of, of giving back um, and you know seeing different a I would say problems but also seeing all these other different nonprofits and service opportunities in the Los Angeles area, we've now seen our alumni kind of take it to the next step. Um, and, you know, some former loyal lacrosse alumni are, are, have done some big things, especially, um, you know, over the, uh, the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, just, just being able to, you know, co- connect. Uh, I, I would say the one, the one I love was the, uh, oh gosh, they, they, they pretty much, a bunch of food was going to waste. Um, and they were like, how, how are you guys throwing, you know, these grocery stores, throwing all this, all this food, uh, you know, down, down the gutter or whatever. We're like, there are so many people who are hungry, homeless people, people at shelters, you name it. Like, how is this food going to waste? Um, and, you know, they were able to problem solve and, and, you know, deliver millions and millions of, of pounds of food that, that were, would have otherwise go to waste to, to people in need. Um, you know, that's, that's kind of the, the, the world hunger thing is a pretty, pretty scary problem, which, you know, shouldn't be. Uh, and it's just, it's just these kids ability to problem solve because they've gone through it for four years at Loyola and, and with, you know, certain tools and relationships in, in college or post-college, these kids were able to solve some of these great issues, which is certainly, um, you know, something we're, we're very proud about. And that helps them as they move into the real world. Let's talk playoffs for a bit here. A lot of good yeah, teams out there, a lot of good teams. You know, you guys, obviously, you've got PV, Westlake, Modern Day, St. Margaret's, Foothill. What's it going to take for you guys to win a championship? Because you have Santa Margarita this week. Then if, if you beat them, you may have a rematch with PV. 
And then in that other bracket, you got Corona Del Mar, Agora, Sierra Canyon, St. Margaret's. Man, it's a gauntlet day after day. Yeah, this is this is pretty exciting. Um, you know, obviously, last year was supposed to be the first year CIF playoffs. That got truncated, obviously. Um, but, you know, this year it's just with, with football kind of uh, stretching in and football and soccer kind of stretching in to the lacrosse season, lacrosse getting pushed back. Um, you know, you just weren't sure what you were getting. Like we certainly lost, lost a few guys to other sports or just not choosing to play. Um, all these other teams are in the same boat, but gosh, you, I mean, you, you named it. There's, there's, there's eight teams where, where anybody could win, um, which I don't think, I don't think is usually the case. Uh, you know, I, I feel like there's always, there's always those top two or three teams and then everybody else is kind of fighting for fourth, fifth place. But this is a year where there's just the talent so so evenly spread across, you know, seven or eight teams. It's, it's anybody's ball game. So, um, you know, we're, we're, we're just, we're just trying to improve each time we get the opportunity, um, you know, and, and at this point it's, it's really just tweaking little things and, and trying to give us an advantage here and winning matchups there. Um, so, you know, we, we, I can, I can name, I can name a couple guys, but you know, I, I think it's, uh, it's, it's been, it's been pretty, pretty obviously that we've had, uh, we've had a lot of different guys step up throughout the year. Um, we've been blessed with a great face-off guy, which is obviously a game changer at the high school level. And, you know, we just, we've just been in a bunch of battles. Um, so it's, it's, I'm, I'm really excited for playoffs. It's, it's, it's not like the years past where, you know, LA's got a, LA's got 16, Orange County's got 16, everybody's mixed together and everybody's uh, an outstanding team. Well, it starts for you tomorrow night against Santa Margarita. So, you know, I want to wish you good luck. It it was a pleasure getting to know you. And and the, like we've said, man, the lacrosse community is is very – it's a very tight-knit community. Uh, everybody knows everybody. Everybody roots for everybody. You know, you're in between those white lines. We're going to beat the crap out of you. But at the end of the day, it's 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 a brotherhood, and, and it's awesome, man. <clears throat> It is. Yep, it is. Absolutely. Well, before I let you go, I want to ask you just five just off-the-wall questions about sports yeah. from when you were little. Who was your favorite football team growing up? Oh, the Washington Redskins, the, the now-defunct Redskins, the Washington Football Club. <laughs> okay, who was your favorite player? Jerry Rice. Okay. Favorite baseball team growing up? Hated baseball. Hated baseball. Okay, never, favorite never made, it, never made it through a full game. <laughs> because <laughs> it's boring um okay so who's your favorite basketball team or are you a hockey fan no so my favorite bas my favorite basketball team was the wizards but my favorite player was was michael jordan so every time every time the bulls were in um were in town uh my my dad would always uh, it was now it was the wizards i'm sorry it was the bullets back in the day um right well yeah every, every time every time the bulls are in town my dad would get tickets because he just knows how much i i love michael jordan that's that's what that's why i picked 23 for lacrosse there's one wanted, wanted to be the mj of lacrosse <laughs> there you go and the greatest moment of your athletic career from your playing days most memorable oh, most memorable oh man you know i i i have uh i have two um you know, what one would be our our ACC championship uh, in, in 2005 uh, as as a three seed. We used, I mean, you you're seeing it this year in the Final Four, but we used to talk about the uh, there are four there are four teams in the ACC: Maryland, UNC, Duke, and Virginia. And more often than not, 
that was that was tougher than the NCAA Final Four, right? And oh yeah. A lot, and a lot of those times they were there. So we were. I just remember being the three seed and um, you know being in uh, M&T Bank Stadium and, and winning that and beating number one Duke and I think it was number number two UVA. Uh, so that was that was that was pretty cool. That was pretty cool. Um, you know, my, my other one, my other one would just be. Uh, my NLL, my NLL experience, my first game, um, you know, it's, I had never played box across before out until the, uh, until the combine and just getting drafted by the Philadelphia wings, going out there, learning, learning, I'm going to start. And then I look up and there's 15,000 fans. <laughs> uh, I have some Canadian next to me checking me. So obviously I just started checking his hip right back. And before the game even starts, I'm in the penalty box with him and, and, uh, and, and, my, and my parents and all my buddies had come. Um, so that was a, a, kind of an anecdotal story, which is one of my favorite stories. Uh, and then, and then obviously, you know, winning that ACC championship at, you know, at, uh, at Maryland. And obviously the, the final fours were extremely special, you know, playing. And that was, that was back in the days when we were getting packed football stadiums. So we were getting 55, to 60,000 people in these, um, in these football stadiums for, for the two final fours that I played in. Um, and that was, you know, that was an experience in itself. Unfortunately, we lost those games, so I can't really call those my, uh, favorite, favorite athletic moments. <laughs> yeah. But great memories, man. Lots of great oh, memories. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Jimmy, thank you so much for taking the time, uh, to spend with me, just talking some lacrosse. It was great getting to meet you and, and watch you guys play. I, I hope that we get out and, and get to do a Loyola game during the playoffs. That will be an absolute blast. But, you know, thanks again for doing this, and continued good luck as the playoffs move on for you guys. Thank you, Tony. It's been an absolute blast. And, again, that, that's why I love Lacrosse Road. You get to meet so many great people. So uh, I, I appreciate it. I look forward to more conversations with you. Thank Absolutely. You thank, thanks again, man. I'd like to thank everybody for listening. Thank Jimmy Burrell, head Loyola football coach. And I'd like to thank betonline.ag who sponsors all of our podcasts at Believe. Uh, thank you for listening, and until the next time, enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.